Welcome to another Truth Matters episode where we discuss all things truth from a biblical standpoint. I'm your host, Matt Franklin. friends, and here we are again with episode 14. And uh, as you know, last week we got the incredible opportunity to record uh, an episode with uh, Billy Ballinger, and what a powerful testimony that man has. Yes. So good. Um, so uh, we are equally as excited to uh, get to introduce to you his wife today, and uh, she's written a book, um, and we're going to talk about that. Uh, but this lady you're about to meet is the co-founder of a nonprofit organization called Break the Gray. She has impacted thousands of lives in the U.S. and other countries through her inspirational speaking and working with Break the Gray. She is an Amazon best-selling author of the book Beautifully Unbroken, The Prostitute's Daughter. She has a heart to reach this generation with the gospel of Jesus Christ, and she is a longtime friend of my wife and I, Without further ado, I'd like to introduce to you Miss Jody Ballinger. How are you doing, Jody? Hey, Jody. I'm doing great. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for uh, for taking the time to um, uh, let us interview you and uh, share yes. your story. And uh, I'm sure it's going to be uh, a powerful story. And uh, I just want to start off by asking you, um, you know, what what your past is. I know we all have a past, and yours is is a pretty dark past. And uh, I'd like for you to share with the folks that don't know you, um, you know, what what you've been through. Well, um, I always tell people that um, up until I was about nine years old, I, uh, I feel like I had a pretty normal childhood. Um, I, um, you know, we lived middle class neighborhood. I went to uh, school on a regular basis, had all my needs met. Mm-hmm. And then one day um, I came home from school and there was a U-Haul sitting in my driveway. Um, I was in third grade, so I went in the house and to my surprise, there wasn't much furniture or anything left in our house. And I asked my mom what was going on. And she said um, that is when she told me that uh, her and my dad was getting a divorce Mm. and that we were going to be moving to Cleveland with her sister and my cousins. Mm. Um, I was nine years old. I knew nothing before that. So I was just in shock. Um, But I uh, but I also had um, I was in shock. And I hurt, you know, for it. But then when she was telling me, um, you know, okay, and we're going to move in with my sister and you're going to be with your cousins. Well, I was kind of excited, too, you know, that I got to be with my cousins. And so as a nine-year-old, you know, you're not, you know, you go from one thing to the other. So it's, yes, I was hurt. But, okay, well, now I get to live with my cousins. And so, um, so we left that evening. 
and uh, and uh, moved to Cleveland, Ohio. And uh, I don't know if you've ever been to Cleveland, Ohio, but it's an absolutely beautiful city. Mm. And um, when we came up over the hill, there uh, at one point from Indiana uh, into Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, you come up kind of over a hill and then you can see like the whole city landscape and Mm. it's gorgeous. And uh, so I was like so excited and we went through, you know, the highway and then we, um, where my aunt lived was the ghetto of Cleveland. Mm -hmm. And so um, when When I got there, you know, I was excited to be around my cousins and everything, and we lived with them, Um, and they had an apartment upstairs from their house, but someone was living there uh, for about, I don't know, I guess maybe the first couple weeks, so we all lived together um, in their house. Well, um, I did not know it, but uh, within a few days, I quickly realized Um, They were major drug dealers. So I went from knowing nothing Mm. to actually within within days, I was uh, I was smoking pot. I was popping pills. Um, I was hanging out with my cousins. And now these are their parents. So Mm. they had been brought up in it. Um, And so my life drastically changed from a nine year old that really knew nothing because, you know, I was, didn't need to, Yeah, I was, you know, I was in a good home. I went, made a drastic change. And now I'm nine years old in the third grade. Now I'm getting high on a regular basis, popping pills on a regular basis. And my whole life turned upside down. Um, I, um, I started, uh, I can remember, remember, uh, when I was 10, I started, uh, selling marijuana cigarettes. Um, and I, um, and we, and I was one of the only white people in our school. Mm. So I was bullied extremely, which you can read in the book. Yeah. And, um, so I had never known anything like that, Uh, you know, um, until you're put in a situation like that, you just think that everyone is nice. Oh yeah. (laughs) And then you find out they're not, Um, but, and, and that happens in all races. Oh yeah. Every race there is, there are good people and there are bad people. Exactly. And, and so I learned that at a very early age, Um, and then, um, I had a little sister, um, she, uh, she was probably, I believe she was six months old when we moved there. And I have a picture in my book of my mom, um, and my aunt thought that it would be really cute to, uh, like put her on their bed and decorate all around her with, uh, gallon sized, uh, Ziploc baggies full of marijuana. Oh and God. I wow. was standing just on the opposite side of the bed looking at this. Well, I don't know why, but all these years I had saved that picture and I just never knew why. Um, 
like, why am I saving this? Well, now I know why it was meant to be put in the book because some people will read my story and like cannot grasp how that can happen. Right. But the proof is right there in the picture. Oh, yeah. Here's a here's a six month old baby, you know, with all this. And there was um, that I talked uh, to a DEA agent, a friend of ours, and he uh, he said that the amount of pot in the room that day when we took that picture was probably estimated to be over two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Oh my goodness! Wow. street value. Wow. Uh, yes. Yeah, so when we um, when I would open up the refrigerator door to you know get food. Um, I can remember being stunned the first time I opened the refrigerator because there wasn't much food, but there were mason jar after mason jar filled with every kind of pill you can imagine. Um, so I, um, I uh, kind of stayed on drugs um, from nine years old. Um, we, um, we moved several times. Uh, by the time I was 11 years old, I uh, was in juvenile tension for the first time. Um, then it became a regular thing for me to be in and out of juvenile from the age of 11. Mm. Um, I was uh, in and out of juvenile. I was in and out of uh, the children's home. By 13 years old, now this would uh, be, um, this would be the, uh, probably 1984, I went through the Scared Straight program, mm -hmm. and that's where they take you uh, to the women's prison, and the women there, like, get in your face and tell you, you know, you yeah. better straighten up, you better straighten up. Yeah. Well. It scares the living daylights out of you. Yeah, it does. You know, <laughs> I was 13 years old thinking, oh, my gosh, I never want to come back here ever again. Um, and um, and so I was 13 years old when that happened. Um, and uh, by 14 years old, I was on crystal meth, oh living goodness. with my boyfriend full time. Uh I just had a very, uh, my mom, she, um, after she left my dad, uh, there was no normalcy ever, ever. Mm. Um, she, uh, she was there, but she wasn't there. Yeah. Um, I could do whatever I wanted whenever I wanted. Um, there was no, um, there was nothing normal uh, from my childhood from uh, nine years old until um, Billy and I was married. Mm. Uh, so at 14, I was on meth. Um, the boy that I was living with, um, he was in a car accident. Well, we had just done meth that day and um, he was in a car accident and uh, lost his life the very day that we did the math. Mm. Um, I, um, I ended up going to uh, be in sent because I was in and out of juvenile and children's home constantly. And what I know now that I didn't know then was that I was so longing 
for boundaries and structure. Yeah. Yes. People that grow up in in a very structured life that with a mom and a dad that loves them does not realize how important that is. Yes. When you are living on the streets and on drugs and you have uh, family members that really don't care whether you're there or not, they're, they're, they don't care whether there's dinner on the table or not. Um, that child is so longing for structure in their life. Um, so I was sent to reform school at the age of 15. When I got to uh, the reform school, it was a Christian faith-based home, mm. and it would remind you um, like a university. So we had a chapel, we had a cafeteria, and then we had uh, we had a school, and then the um, girls were the girls. Um, uh, housing was on one side of the campus. The guys' housing was on the opposite side of the campus, and it was extremely structured. Um, you went to chapel every day except Saturday, um, and the people there that worked there were Christians. Mm. And I loved it. Like, I can remember thinking, oh, my gosh, I love it here. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, um, I, I believe I gained like 20 pounds because mm. when you're out on the street, I mean, I was eating maybe, you know, once a day if I was lucky. Mm. And so here, you know breakfast, lunch, dinner, everything. And now they're ministering the word to me. They're loving on me. Mm. Um, you could tell that it wasn't just a job. Yeah. And so I quickly, um, uh, I quickly was invited to a Bible study. Um, I got saved in that Bible study and I, I just absolutely loved it there. Wow. wow. And awesome. it probably would have done me well to just stay there until I was 18 and graduated. Yeah. Um, but I, I was only there for 14 months. That's where Billy and I met. And so here I'm telling Billy, um, and we were allowed to, they call it mixing, but it's kind of like dating. Yeah. So we were allowed to mix one time per week and it was like at a table and there was, you know, lots of girlfriends, girlfriends. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it was very structured. Yeah. And, um, but I would tell Billy about my life and he would be amazed, like, cause he grew up in a pretty good home, mm -hmm. you know? And, um, so he was just like wowed by my whole situation. And so I was there for 14 months. He was there for 15 months and I left, I got released. Um, I believe it was six weeks before he got released. So I assumed that he was going to just be another guy that I dated. Yeah. Um, I, I thought it would all dissolve. He would go back to his county. We didn't come from the same counties. So, you know, it would just fall apart after that. He would start dating someone else, and that was just the way it was. Mm -hmm. Well, when he got out, he actually came to my house. And I was, like, amazed that, you know, he came to my house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, and and that he wasn't just in that 
I'll just move on. Right. Uh, like so many times, you know, when you're a teenager, that's just how it is. Right. And, um, and so then we continue today. Um, and then if you remember from his story last week, he, uh, he actually ran away to be with me at my, um, at, in my County at my home. So yeah. from 17 to 18 years old, he was on the run to be with me. Uh-huh. Um, wow. he, um, when he came to, to my house, to my neighborhood with the people I hung out with, you know, we were all hoodlums. We were, you know, we were the, um, people that, you know, you know, yep. when you're in high school, yes. you know, there's right. preppy people, there's <laughs> we <good> know. people. <laughs> right. yeah. I was one of them, well, the, the, I not the preppy the ones. But. I was in with the druggy crowd. Yeah, yeah. I, I know. Yeah, um, I was there too. Oh, were you? Okay, Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that. And um, so he just kind of fit in. Well, he quickly learned that if he was going to hang out with me and my friends, he would have to toughen up very quickly because, uh, you know, we all. And and my story, the crazy thing is, is that my story in my neighborhood was not abnormal. That was the normal for my neighborhood. Everything Mm -hmm. that I just said, everybody started on drugs at an early age. Um, You know, the parents even got them drugs. I smoked pot with my mom. I, um, me and Danny did drugs with his, with his mom. Matter of fact, his mom, now Danny would be my first, uh, I call him my first true love. He's the one who died in the auto accident. Mm-hmm. And his mother was sitting right beside him when he was in the accident. Oh, my goodness. Oh, and man. she was drinking with him. Um, I had gotten picked up earlier that day. And I, so they had taken me into juvenile. So he was upset that I had gotten picked up. And so on top of us doing smoking pot and doing meth, he started drinking mm. his, him, his mom and two of our friends were in his vehicle and he was going really fast. Well, his mom, because she was drinking as well, thought I want him to slow down. So I'm going to shut off the ignition. Well, when you shut off the ignition, the steering wheel locks So when she shut off the ignition, he ran head on into a tree and they said he, he, he pretty much quickly passed away. Um, and so, but in my neighborhood, everything I'm saying was so normal. So in my neighborhood, there's, there's one of those neighborhoods and probably every county in the United States, oh, there yeah. are people going through that right now. There are children living how I was living when I was nine years old. Yes. And mm-hmm. I can remember thinking now, mind you, third grade, I can remember thinking, I bet most of these people, uh, most of these kids weren't doing what I was doing last night. Yeah. You know. Um, and that's how, um, you know, I was just, to think about it, I'm just like so wowed because, um, thank God Mm. I did get saved (laughs) 
and, and did um, come to know Jesus as my Savior. And and um, Billy and I did raise our children correctly, and yes. now we have grandchildren. But um, my life could have ended up so differently. So yeah. let me go back to White's. White's is in Wabash, Indiana. That is the faith-based home. Mm-hmm. Uh, a juvenile, it was actually a reform school um, that I was at for 14 months. So when I got there and I got saved and I was living for God and everything was going really well, well, now I have to go home. So, um, the, uh, the lady, um, that I was going to her Bible study that worked at White's, her and her husband was like, okay, we want to take you back to your County and introduce you to a church so that you have some place to go when you get out. Um, so you could start going to church there. I was so excited. Now, mind you, I am 16 years old. I'm so excited to meet people at this church in my county. So we pull up, we go inside, and I'm so excited. And they, uh, we go to the um, to the youth group. Well, when um, they, <laughs> the youth pastor, and there was probably I would say maybe 10 to 15 kids there. It's a Sunday morning. And he calls me up to the front of the class to introduce me to everyone. No one in there was interested Hmm. in meeting me at all. That could have completely changed my life. Isn't that amazing? Oh, yeah. 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 Goodness, man. So uh, tell your kids, love on the people that walk through that door. Yes. What I would have given for one person at that youth group at 16 years old to come up and just talk to me. I knew that when I left there that day that I would never return to that church. I thought, I won't ever come back here again. They wanted nothing to do with me and I just couldn't figure it out. So here two weeks later, I get out and what do I do? I go right back into the drugs, go right back into the lifestyle that I had always known. So, um, so we will, um, fast forward now, Billy and I, he's been with me, um, for over a year, he's now um, 18 years old, and we decide that we're going to get married. Mm. And then we set the date for July 18th, 1987. And then a few weeks later, we found out that we were pregnant for our firstborn, Mindy. And so, um, so we get married. I, um, July 18th, 1987, I was. I believe I was uh, six months pregnant, and um, and then we start living. So we get our own apartment. Mm-hmm. That apartment now becomes the party house, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and so um, when Mindy was nine months old, um, our house was raided by a SWAT team. Yeah, um, 
Mindy was taken out of my arms and um, we were sent to jail and my whole life in um, how I grew up, I thought I will get married. I will probably get married, but I won't stay married very long, but I will always have my children. Yeah. Um, so when that, um, so when that detective came in after the raid on our house and what they were looking for was drugs, thank God they did not find any drugs or else we, uh, we would have gotten a lot more time. Mm-hmm. But when he came up and took Mindy out of my arms and she was nine months old, oh man, I was dead. That right there broke me. And I knew then that I was I would do then whatever it was going to take to live a good life. Yeah. Um so at nine months old she was taken. Billy and I get out of jail waiting for our trial and we were like, Okay, we now um we decided we need to move out of this county because all we know here is people that do drugs. Mm-hmm. We need to get away from this county. So we moved an hour away to Indianapolis, Indiana. Um, I got a job um, at a gas station. So we lived in our vehicle in Indianapolis. We were basically homeless Mm. until I was able to get up enough money to uh, to go and get a a, um, to go and get a house. Mm -hmm. And. but we were li- we were willing to go and be homeless than this than to stay where we were at right. because we were both so ready to not do that anymore. We're going to do whatever it takes to um, to uh, have a better life. Yeah. And so as um, when I. Um, and working at the job, uh, the court system sent Billy to, um, to, uh, drug rehab when he gets out of drug rehab and he was there for, uh, I think 35 days. Um, he found out that I had been robbed at gunpoint at the gas station twice. Oh my goodness. And wow. he was like, okay, if you're robbed one more time, you're going to have to quit. Well, I was robbed the third time at gunpoint and so he's like you're done we're um so (laughs) him and i both were at the gas station and um i went in to collect my final check and while we were there a man uh, was driving down the road and his truck started overheating Well, I had seen him several times at the gas station because he was a construction worker that was not working not that far away. And so he came in and he would he asked me uh, for some water because his car was overheating. So um, he went outside. He came back in and he was like, I don't know what's going on, but my radiator's fine and it doesn't need any water. So I don't know what it, what's going on. Mm. So he get he hands me back uh, the water, and then he heard Billy say, "Hurry up, we need to go. I need to go find a job." So he said, "You need a job," and Billy was like, "Yeah." He says, "I'm going to hire you right now." Oh wow! 
So oh he hired Billy right there in the gas station that wow. I had been robbed at gunpoint three times. Oh my goodness. And he told, uh, he asked Billy, he said, can my wife and I come over to your house tonight? Well, wow. we knew no one in Indianapolis. Yeah. And so we were like, yes. Come over. We we were so we <laughs> wanted to get yeah. to know someone. Yes, and so uh, and plus Billy felt like he couldn't say no because he just hired him. Right. So what? <laughs> yeah, obligated. So come over. <laughs> well, folks, we've reached the end of today's episode. Be sure to tune in next week, part two of Jody's powerful testimony. You're not going to want to miss the rest of that testimony, trust me. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of Truth Matters Podcast. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your family and friends so that we can get the truth out. Have a great day.